Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. A lot to get into this week. Uh, it seems like every week is jam-packed this past month or so. Uh, the Kate-Meg feud has only grown uh, more intense, or the purported feud has only grown more intense uh, in its media coverage and the surrounding uh, kind of, I don't know, avalanche of stories, which we'll get into this week. Um, in the palace uh, denial, which was a very rare occurrence, which we'll talk about. Uh, also a Megan story that relates to, of all things, air fresheners, which we'll have to discuss. I mean, what a tease. I can't wait. Also, Carol Middleton gave her first interview and posed for some kind of incredible portrait. So I'm really excited to get Josh's take on that. Her first interview ever, which I found crazy, kind of. I know, I know. Uh, but first, let's get into this Kate Megan. Do we call it a feud, Josh? Yeah, that's why I wanted to like stick that purported in there. We really don't know. I feel like it's pretty unclear what's going on, but it's it's gotten kind of wild. I guess we can say with certainty it's really raining reports about a rivalry. Yes, I feel like the emphasis is on the Kate Megan reporting of the like the reporting of the feud more than if we know there's actually a feud. If that makes sense. So the Sun ran a report this weekend that Megan quote spoke rudely unquote to a member uh, to a member of Kate's staff. And Kate had to tell Megan, quote, not to berate members of her team, unquote. I'm really doing the dramatic quote, unquotes, for a story that necessitates them, I think. According to The Sun, an impeccable royal source revealed that this latest clash happened before Meghan and Harry's royal wedding in May. Kate is said to have told the former Suits actress, quote, that's unacceptable. They're my staff and I speak to them. And according to the Sun report, this is what led to her and Kate's falling out. And then they provide this quote as well. It's a tricky situation, but it was a one-off, and they are determined to maintain a positive relationship, even though they are obviously very different in their approach. Julie, this is like, it's intense. I'm just curious, what do you think Megan even said? Right. Like, what did Megan say to this member of Kate's staff and was it that bad? Was it just something where she was like asking, you know, where something was or where something should be? The word berate is a very intense thing. And also the idea of Kate telling Megan not to berate members of her team, it's like hard for you to imagine. Right. There's so much that could be missed out in translation here just because we're we're missing some key facts and also we are not that familiar with staffing etiquette i guess so what like is an out of line request what is an inline request also kate does not seem to me to be the person who like thrives on confrontation yeah so i'm curious what drove her like what was the breaking point so an interesting context which i was recently came across the royal chef Darren McGrady who worked for the queen for many years he's like kind of all over he's the former chef to the queen Diana William and Harry he's given a lot of interviews to the press he's a little bit of a he likes he likes to chat um but he tweeted on Saturday 
I think in my 15 years working as a personal chef to the royal family, I've heard every member of the royal family, yes, even the queen, shout at staff. Meghan may or may not have yelled at one of Kate's team, but that doesn't make her a monster, only human like the rest of us. Oh my god, Darren for the win. I've never followed someone so fast on Twitter. I can't wait to see what he gives us. What do people to respond to that even? There's 44 replies to that tweet, and people are not pleased. Because in a weird way, it almost sounds like he's confirming it. Right. He's, like, saying, like, yeah, this happens all the time. I guess he's defending her, though, right? Because he's saying, even if she did yell at one of Kate's team, like, that just makes her human. Right. It does seem unprecedented, though, that Megan, she's a new bride, she's pregnant, just that all these people would leak such unflattering stories And it's about all coming her. out in such a flurry. They kind of teased at the beginning this was one of the first times i can remember where the palace weighed in on like an unconfirmed thing like this so the huntington palace spokesman actually said in a quote this never happened about megan i guess you know speaking rudely to a member of one of kate's staff the palace put that on the record and then according to people the people magazine the palace declined to comment on any of the other reports including the recent one that Kate was left in tears after a fitting for princess charlotte's bridesmaid dress ahead of meghan's wedding however people confirms that incident did take place which i thought was weird so like i just i'm so confused so like they're commenting on something's not the other but they said that did happen Right. There are too many mixed messages here. There needs to be an all-hands meeting with some sort of PR strategist. Everyone needs to get their messages in line here. This is too much conflicting reporting. Completely. It's also so, like, did some PR person, like, go rogue and write this never happened in an email? Like, I feel like that was not authorized. Or, like, if it was, why did they decide that this was the one report they were going to weigh in on? Right. I think we've talked about Elizabeth Holmes before. She's like a royal commentator on Instagram. And she she was positing that maybe Kate wanted this denial out there because like Kate was wanting to try to like help protect Megan and like try to make it clear that this never happened, that she would never like berate Megan, which like I guess is an, one interpretation of why the palace denied it. So then, and then the only other kind of like backstory here a little bit since last time we recorded is in a video that Julie and I both watched obsessively that some kind of stranger took at an appearance Kate made last week. Someone asks her if she's like excited for Megan's pregnancy. And while I wouldn't say it's the most exuberant uh, response I've ever heard, she does say, yeah, absolutely. It's such a special time to have little kitties and a cousin for George and Charlotte and Louis. It's really special. Julie, we both listened to the video. What do we make of her? I mean, it's filmed crazily. It's like filmed by like, it looked like covert, I guess, whoever was filming this. She had her video camera running, but she didn't want to point it yes. into Kate's face. So she just had it kind of capturing kind of at chest level. Poor Kate. It seems like her synapses are like all misfiring. The whole kitties thing was such a weird response to me. It's very clear that she's going off like scripted or, you know, she's been asked the same question a million times it definitely did feel like she was trying not to say anything in either direction like overly over the top 
but also like negative. I don't know. Just it was confusing. It was very confusing, but incredible, I guess, video work, even though it was oddly like disconcerting and Amazing. a little disturbing. No, like that was some some great sort of like investigative reporting by whoever filmed that video. Also, um, I'm surprised we don't get videos like that more often, I was thinking, because I feel like in all the years we've been doing this podcast, like it's not that often you see all these appearances they make. We don't often get those and they must have those kind of conversations a lot. People just aren't quick enough to record them, I think. They asked if how like they're, I guess if she's excited for Christmas and she, or how the kids, how her kids were doing. And she says, yeah, they're doing really well, getting excited for Christmas time. They've started all their Christmas songs and Christmas trees are going up and all that. And Louie is getting bigger. It's been seven months now. I can't believe it. Kate really is the master of like, that like doesn't really say anything. <laughs> it doesn't really help us. I would say this video is a, a neutral like net net in terms of like figuring out where they are in terms of this like rumored feud. And then the palace denial, I guess, leans us to think maybe they're not really feuding. The tears Charlotte thing is confusing. We don't really know what caused it. So there's like a lot of just exactly like everything's kind of conflicting and confusing. The one other kind of angle here that we should discuss is that they will all be spending Christmas together according to People magazine. Despite reports that William and Kate would likely be spending the holiday with Kate's family in Bucklebury, this is from this morning, the royal couple will be joining the rest of the royal family, including Harry and Meghan, in Norfolk for Christmas with the Queen at Sandringham. William and Kate will stay at their nearby home of Anne Hall with their children, and the specifics of where Harry and Meghan are staying haven't been provided, quote, at this stage, unquote. Uh, Megan may also be joined by her mom, who has reportedly been invited to join them for Christmas. So I was like, okay, this seems like good. Because if people were saying they weren't going to spend Christmas together, which seemed like kind of intense. But then Victoria Arbiter, who's a very reliable royal reporter, CNN's royal correspondent, she tweeted this today. If William and Kate are at Sandringham for Christmas this year, it won't be to appease the press. It'll be because Christmas with the Queen and Prince Philip, aged 92 and 97 respectively, is growing ever more precious. Wow. I mean, this is stressing me out. And well, <laughs> I don't that, have that to made me feel like she solid. knows something she's not saying. Right. This is all bizarre. I would love to see an itinerary for the Christmas weekend. Exactly. Yeah, like, well, are they just going to do one photo op together and then, like, Kate's going to hightail it and then, like, Harry and William are staying... I mean, Harry and Meghan are staying at some Airbnb separately or something? <laughs> like, it does seem weird. Also, like, Harry and Meghan's location has not been given at this stage. That's so cryptic. That's so cryptic. That's so bizarre. So when will Kate and William be with the Middletons? I know. That's what I'm also confused about. Like, are they going to like just, is it one of those things where they're just going to show up for like Christmas lunch and then head home? I have, I have to like break in here to say so many great Instagram comments and DMs and tweets. Like you guys overloaded us with amazing stuff this week. And I feel like a general tide in the sentiment is the kind of this question of like how much this is Harry versus how much it's Megan. Like, just kind of, like, taking it all in, like, assessing it the way we can with all of this. Like, what's your feeling at this point over, like, what is driving this weird separation? I don't know, but there was an interesting Daily Mail report I think we both read over the weekend, another grain of salt. And this was kind of buried in the avalanche of other Kate Megan um, news items. But it said that William was a little turned off by how fast the relationship between Megan and Harry moved. 
and that he had some kind of reservations. He wasn't sure if um, Megan was kind of filling a more maternal role, like stepping in as their late mother. And they say that uh, William and Kate invited Megan and Harry over before the wedding and that Megan felt as though Kate kind of told her off. It didn't specify what Kate was talking to Megan about, but I wonder if that was when Kate brought up the thing about the staff issue. I don't know. I could see that. There are so many just little loose threads to this feud. I need someone to kind of go through. Is Megan going to give any interviews? I think this would be such a good, this would be such a good time for her to do like what Carol Middleton just did. Because I feel like it is, it's so tricky. I know one of you guys left us a voicemail or DM'd us about the idea that like Megan's kind of like couldn't even go to Priyanka's wedding this weekend. Like she's kind of like holed up. She doesn't like can't talk to the press about this stuff and how frustrating it must be. And I do feel for her in that way. Cause like, it's so weird to not be able to like comment on any of this. Right. But Josh, I think your suggestion last week, like the quickest, most efficient way to kind of stomp out these rumors would be to arrange some sort of, sort of joint appearance between Megan and Kate. That should happen ASAP. And I actually think, I think I said this last week too, the bet, the more um, unscripted it feels, the better. Like, I don't even think it should be, I don't even think it should be an official thing. I think it should be like, we just like, they tip off the paparazzi to them doing something. Oh, like getting their nails done. Yeah. Like that would do so much to end all of this. If we just got tipped off to them, like shopping together somewhere or going out to lunch or, you know, like going to see like, God knows Hamilton again. I don't care. Um, Like, yeah. Like doing something fun, like going to a movie. Um, can you imagine if they went to see like the favorite together or something? <laughs> like I feel I feel like they could just do something like that. Um cuz the press oh my god, we haven't even gotten to two more of these stories. I forgot that there's like is still even more. Um because I feel like it's just so much. I feel like this weekend we were both like overwhelmed with how many stories were coming out just over the course of a weekend. This air freshener thing is wild. And if I was the palace PR person and I could only refute one of the gossip items that came out over the weekend, I only had one this never happened to use, I would use it on this because this is kind of insane. This is like Mariah Carey level of diva. Okay, according to well-placed royal sources, the musty odor of the 15th century St. George's Chapel did not find favor with the soon-to-be Duchess of Sussex as she was planning the wedding. She asked for air fresheners to be deployed before her guests arrived. The same insiders report that Meghan's request to use the atomizers did not find favor with Buckingham Palace, which swiftly pointed out that the chapel was a regular place of worship for the queen, as it had been for successive monarchs since 1475. And if it was good enough for them, it would have to be good enough for her. That was just like heaven for me listening to you read that. I don't think anyone could make this up is the thing. It's so weird and specific. Like, sometimes you read the royal items and you're like, oh, like, this sort of feels like someone could have just been, like, doing some fan fan fiction of their, like, royal scandals. Like, who would make up that she wanted air fresheners at the wedding in the chapel? Right. I am doing a little bit of quick fact-checking because I feel like I have... Didn't Kate Middleton sent her royal wedding at the Westminster Abbey with her favorite Joe Malone candles? Oh... It was reported beforehand that 
Westminster Abbey would be fragranced with a selection of candles, hand washes, and lotions from Joe Malone's best-selling Citrus Scents, Orange Blossom, Grapefruit, and the ever-popular Lime, Basil, and Mandarin. It gives the day a three-dimensional feel, and Kate, Will, and their guests will associate those perfumes with the weddings with the wedding forever. That's an amazing find, Julie. Right. So as insane as this sounds, it is not unprecedented. That was for a ceremony, right? Not the reception. That was for the ceremony. So maybe this isn't that crazy then. I guess it's more how this is, it was like positioned as so wild. Like the Daily Mail headline said, dictatorial bride Megan wanted air fresheners from musty 15th century St. George's Chapel. Like, they're sensationalizing it to such a degree. Like, the, that Kate context is very important. Right. Okay. So, and this is just another report just to verify. Kate's signature scent is Joe Malone Orange Blossom. At her request, candles burned the scent in Westminster Abbey on the royal wedding day. So, Josh, what do we make of this? Is it just that the church is different? There are different standards? Is it that Kate was well, marrying guess, the king? Yeah, like, I don't know. There must king? be some reason that with this St. George's Chapel, the palace was like, no. Because if it was normal to ask and Kate did it, you'd think they would have just done it. So there must be something about St. George's Chapel. I feel like one of you guys listening will know the answer to this. Right. Or maybe it was just like the atomizer was a little too much. Like the only time I've really seen those atomizers in use is like in the uh, cosmetic (laughs) uh, section of like a department store. Right. And that's kind of awful. I wouldn't want someone spraying me with those. No, that's true. It seems so Megan too to want to like scent her wedding. Like I feel I, I don't I feel like she couldn't because of the constraints of the whole royalness of her wedding, she was like so limited. I can't believe I just said she was so limited with like the biggest royal wedding of all time. But like she, I feel like there are certain things she would have wanted to do her like whimsical touches, like the Tig vibe that she could not do. And I feel like this was probably one of them. Right. She definitely seems like the kind of person who knows what she likes. Yes. What Megan wants, Megan gets. I don't know. I kind of love this item. But then it is interesting if Kate did it, then it doesn't seem like it's such a crazy demand. Right. But maybe Kate like didn't make a big deal. Maybe she just had this candles. Maybe she went about it a better way. I don't know. Maybe she said she wanted those candles and she didn't tell anyone. Maybe maybe she went to one of Kate's staffers and was like, do what you did for Kate's wedding. And that's what that was the whole situation. And that's why uh, Kate had to get involved. I mean, that seems unlikely, but maybe. Right. Maybe she just didn't have the same finesse as Kate. I feel like the other big difference that part of it is probably to play with a lot of this Kate Megan stuff is like Kate had been in the mix for so long because of how long she was dating William, the engagement. It was so much more gradual that like by the time it got to Kate's wedding, I feel like Kate knew the ropes so well already. Like, Megan, Megan's was such a whirlwind that I could see Megan being, like, A, just it was more stressful, the wedding in, in general, but also just, like, not knowing the whole, like, court, you know? Like, I feel like Kate knew exactly probably, like, who to text for what item she needed. Right. Maybe Kate just had those candles in as, like, some sort of, like, ambiance thing, whereas Megan, this American, was very direct about wanting to fix the smell problem. <laughs> And then yet another example of someone being reportedly reduced to tears by Megan. 
The Sun had a big story over the weekend. It became too much. Meghan Markle's personal assistant and Julie were going to return to our dear friend Melissa quit after being reduced to tears by Meghan's demand. So as we all know, Melissa quit after six months, got the rave reviews from the palace and all involved. She was her identity was like revealed last week when we found out that she had been Robbie Williams's assistant and we found a vegan smoothie recipe. Uh, that's an in the limelight exclusive. So if anyone else reports that, we want to be we want to get our Please correct source uh, source there. Yeah. But this new report from the mirror says that she quit because she was like I guess Kate was during Princess Charlotte's fitting, reduced to tears. The French assistant who played a pivotal role in the success of the royal wedding ditched her plum appointment after putting up with a lot. A source told the mirror her job was highly pressurized and in the end it became too much. She put up with quite a lot. Megan put a lot of demands on her and it ended up with her in tears. I mean, the fact that she didn't quit on the spot when asked to like atomize <laughs> to the like chapel. right when they're like like head to Costco and pick up like eight hundred atomizers. I think Melissa's publicist though should be named like Times Person of the Year because this piece was also crazy. It had all these other quotes. Melissa's a total professional and fantastic at her job, but things came to a head. Like why? Like you would think Melissa was like Mother Teresa. And, like, Megan was shunning, like, you know, the most, like, charitable, generous, magnanimous assistant in the history of time. She'll be missed by everyone in the household is also in there. <laughs> like, she was only there six months. She'll be missed by everyone in the household? Right. Whoever's doing the Melissa messaging is really on This point. is what Megan needs. <laughs> Megan should steal, as, like, a retaliation move, Megan should steal whoever's repping Melissa. Right. I'm surprised that Harry hasn't come out and said something because given, you know, the what Megan wants, Megan gets, I can't envision him being too calm about his wife being dragged in the media. Also, the letter he wrote when they first started dating shows that he's clearly like attuned to this media stuff. And this feels way worse than, oh, I mean, it was bad at that very beginning point too, but like, this is a whole other level. I know she's pregnant. She doesn't have family in the same city. I know. Like one of our listeners wrote us, I think it was maybe on Instagram, but like this is like a lot of stress for a, uh, she's like pregnant and dealing with all this stuff. And like, right. I mean, it's, would Kate and William ever come out with a statement like that? Should we be interpreting their lack of comment? No, Kate and William never would, I think. But I, right. I mean, but I also, I just, it's such a unique position. And then, okay, let's shift to Carol. I'm really excited to chat with you about this. What do we make of this timing, Julie? That this is the, in the midst of all of this, which we've just discussed about all the Megan stories, this is when Carol decided to give her first interview. Do you think it's just coincidence? I mean, I kind of love the timing. I don't think that she planned it this way. Isn't it supposed to be kind of the anniversary of her company party pieces that she's celebrating? But I just, I prefer to think of it as like Carol was waiting in the wings this whole time for the perfect like PR entree. (laughs) Yes. And this was it. And which magazine was this in, Josh? The Telegraph. Got it. So the first two paragraphs of this might be my new favorite, like, lead to any profile I've ever read. Do you want to... I kind of want you to read the first part. Okay. Two things you need to know. Carol's very, very nervous, and she doesn't do sofas. 
Like, I just love, do you know how much time this writer spent on this first sentence? How many, like, versions there are in some different draft? How many, like, times she reworded this and this is what she and the editor settled on? She doesn't do sofas. What does it even mean? Right, that's so much to interpretation. I guess it's a good grabber because we're here discussing it, like, parsing it as if, I don't even know. Okay, two things you need to know. Carol's very, very nervous and she doesn't do sofas. The Telegraph's team on the shoot warned me the night before I went down to Bucklebury in West Berkshire to interview her. So what? I mean... It's like it's written like first person. It's just so weird. Okay, so it goes on. When we asked her to perch on one, they continued, Carol, Carol's response was, Who sits around on a sofa? Sure enough, a couple of days after the shoot, when Carol, clutching a soy latte, she's recently gone vegan slash flexitarian and slightly late, sweeps into the boardroom at the HQ of Party Pieces, the business she set up in 1988, she doesn't sit down, but immediately takes me on a tour of her empire. Like, I gotta say, as wild as that is, I was hooked from there. (laughs) I mean, they make her seem like she's some sort of Gwyneth Paltrow, like, alien who just, this glamazon. I had to Google flexitarian. Yeah, what does that that even mean? It's a semi-vegetarian or flexitarian diet. It's, like, plant-based with the occasional inclusion of meat. So it's, like, you're... You eat some meat, I guess, when it suits you. I mean, also, who sits around on a sofa? Like... (laughs) The fact that Carol Middleton just chastised, like, literally, like, every (laughs) human who doesn't sit around on a sofa. Who doesn't sit around on a sofa? Like, what does she think people do? What does she do? What does she think sofas were used for? Right. What is she doing from Sunday from like 4 p.m. to midnight? Like, I don't get it. Like, it's such a weird quote that I cannot believe that's not, like, the only thing, like, all media is talking about today. Carol Middleton just tosses off who sits around on a sofa. Right. Like, even I feel like Queen Elizabeth, like, understands and, like, respects a good sofa. It's so weird. And the soy latte threw me off. I agree. It's very Gwyneth. It's very, um, like, empire running. Like, it's just not what I expected at all to be the vibe. Now, do they ever get into, do they ever explain why she doesn't sit on sofas? Like, is it just that she's <laughs> no, it's so not, type it's just, A? It, it, the lead goes on, and I recommend <laughs> everyone read the profile. Um, to It's like all about how crazy busy her life is and how like she's always moving from one thing to the next. She started her own business. She's going from one event with her grandchildren to the next. So kind of like the overarching theme is embodied here that she like doesn't have a moment to sit down. I mean, there are a few quotes we've gotten over the years where I feel like we want to embroider them on a pillow and who sits around on a sofa would be great for that. I just, I can't. It's so good. It's so good. And she has some pretty good other ones too. So she gets, so I thought this was interesting. So one of the first quotes in the piece is, she explains why she's never talked to the press before. And she says, over the years, it's proved wise not to say anything, which 
great but then it's funny then she's like doing this whole profile you know what i mean it's like right also it's kind of intriguing just like how on one side of the spectrum she is and tom markle is on the other that like she's been kind of around the royal family this long she also says she never reads anything written about her anymore but only as of a year ago which i thought was interesting so she says well i thought it was better to know what people thought but it doesn't make any difference. I'm not really sure how I'm perceived now. Um, And then she says that Kate texted her good luck on her way to the shoot. I'm so furious, Josh, that you weren't tasked with writing this profile just because you would have had such good questions. You would have asked, like, what emoji Kate uses most. Well, you're so right to zero in on that because I was shook by this this little parenthetical can you imagine putting writing a long profile of someone and then in a parenthetical you mention a Kate middleton text message like that that should have been the lead are you kidding me um it's dashed off Catherine texted her on the shoot to wish her luck i need so much more information about that also julie what i just thought it was such a funny like what would you text your mom on the way to her silence breaking fashion spread shoot I would be like, don't say anything about me. Don't give any private details. I don't even know. What would you tell your mom? Which is probably what um, Kate was texting Carol. I would say, I don't know. Yeah, don't say, don't, don't, don't show them any like emails I've ever sent you. (laughs) Right. Kate probably like sent her a copy of the confidentiality agreement. God, there's so much good stuff here. Carol, I think Carol sounds fun, kind of. And you can, she, she turned down alcohol on set because she was worried about having a drink, um, oh which God gosh. knows you and me would have been like, fire it up to like loosen up. But she did not want to. What did they offer her? Did they say what they offered her? But it's weird. It's very hard to read this piece, I will say, because it's paywalled. She says, I do love a good party. I'm definitely a night owl and a real chatterbox. My children look at me sometimes, dot, dot, dot. She doesn't finish that sentence. <laughs> like, she sounds like, I feel like we would have a fun night with her. Um, and then she this also... This next line is insane. <laughs> the, the Christmas tree? Um, so she gets everyone a personal Christmas tree. This is an excerpt from the profile. In photos, Buckleberry Manor is what estate agents would call impressive, a description that must set Carol all a jangle. <laughs> she's, she's on a mission to appear as unaffected and normal as possible. Lots of editorializing going on in this profile. L- later, when we're discussing her love of Christmas trees and how she likes to have as many as possible in the house, including one in the grandchildren's rooms, so that they, so, quote so that they can decorate it themselves. Quote, there is one of many long pauses while she ponders the consequences of a seemingly innocuous exchange. That makes me sound as though I live in a mansion, doesn't it? Erm, you're the future future king's grandmother, I think. Would a mansion be out of the question? This whole paragraph is insane. The fact that she, like, so did George and Charlotte have their own bedrooms in this house? So George and Charlotte each have their own personal Christmas tree in their room for them to decorate. Also, I'd be kind of annoyed. That sounds like more work. They already had to decorate one Christmas tree back home, right? Yeah, and also, like, what, like, does, is that, like, a necessary, like, is that fun for a kid? I feel like that is also just, like, intense to have their own personal tree. Like, isn't the whole fun that everyone gathers around it together? 
Like, I just don't even understand. Like, what do they do at their own personal tree? And who leaves? Like, is that where George's presents are? I don't even get it. Right. This is just very confusing. The logistics alone. Like, Santa must get confused. Yeah. I don't really. Exactly. Santa has to make a lot of stops. Oh, my God. This is, like, too much for me. Oh, so, Josh, did you come away from this profile liking her more? Well, that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about and, like, just bring up as a discussion point because I don't really know. Do you think I was trying to figure out if Carol would be happy with this profile? I feel like there was a lot of, I guess, as I said before, like, sort of not editorializing because I appreciate a writer who has their own take on the subject, of course, but it, I, I'm not sure this is what she expected. It's a little more like assessing her. There's one part where they talk about like her her fashion and her nerve. Obviously, like we read the beginning about her nerves. I just don't know. I feel like maybe she wouldn't be thrilled. It made me, but that that is in contrast to I actually liked her more reading it though because I feel like it made her seem, as I said, like kind of fun and like she has some personality and spunk. D- don't you agree? Kind of made her seem kind of sort of loose and fun. I agree. I think that's a spot on um, kind of takeaway. I do not think she would be pleased with this, but what would she have been pleased by? It's such a difficult, it's almost like she only has stuff to lose. Right. That's what's so interesting to me also. It's like, what was she trying to accomplish? Because clearly they must have worked out some really insane ground rules, the telegraph and the palace or whatever, or whoever wrapped her. And like, whoever it was, I'm sure wasn't allowed to ask about I don't like. I don't even know. I'm, I wonder how it was set up. But I'm kind of amazed that the Telegraph was able to editorialize it as much as they do here. Right. I'm curious if Kate was like excited about this whole thing happening. I guess if she texted her on the way there, she must have been like, "Go get it, mom." I mean, if I were Kate or William, my Christmas present to Carol would be like I would frame this cover an insane profile. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's also interesting. She posed in these very kind of glam portraits. She looks she great. She looks incredible. Yeah, she really does. And I saw some, a lot, I was reading the comments on the post and people were all saying that she like, they were really noticing in these photos how much she looks like Kate. And she actually wore these dresses she picked were by the designer goat that Kate often wears. And in fact, Kate's worn, I think, a very similar version to the red dress she's wearing on the cover. I know, that was a little weird to me. There were a bunch of side-by-sides. Yeah, it was almost like she was courting, she was almost like asking you to put a side-by-side together when she wore such a similar thing with the same designer. And I was interested in that choice, which is, you know, I don't know. I guess Kate probably saw what she was going to be wearing, though, right? Right. I mean, were there any secondaries in this? I, I saw a few other quotes about um, Carol was saying that she always feared that when her kids got married, she would lose out on family and she was happy yeah. that her family has stayed intact. She talks a lot about the business and how she was running around, how she doesn't want to stop. She doesn't want to retire soon. And that the kids it was like all hands on deck. And she was worried that, yeah, when the kids got up and grew older, exactly what you just said, that like they would kind of like have their own lives, but that hasn't happened. She said Kate posed for the um, like brochures that she put out when she was starting the party pieces company, and Pippa did the blog. 
we and Pippa basically have a lot in common. I wish they would have interviewed secondaries for this interview or for this piece, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to get like Megan's take on Carol. I would have loved maybe get George in there. Or like, honestly, maybe, you know what would have been interesting? Like people who know her, like her friends. Right. I mean. That, that actually could have been good. Like people who just actually like know her. It seems like Carol's really living the dream. She looks great. She has a mansion where she can have, like, Christmas trees in every single room. I know. It does feel like, based on that Christmas tree excerpt, she was very conscious more than anything of trying to seem not too, like, posh. Which I'm not really sure why. Like, we know that, like, she's the Kate's mother. Right. I feel like maybe she was so hyper-focused on that, like, conveying that message that she just kind of combusted and was saying everything that would kind of contradict that message she had hoped to. I love it. I'm so... The sofas line, though. God, it's so good. She doesn't do sofas. Doesn't do sofas. I mean, I would... I feel like we need to take that, Julie, as, like, our motivation moving forward to 2019, metaphorically, at least. Yes, please. Um, I I hope she does more interviews. I don't know if she will after this, but I'm open to it. Me too. Maybe the dad will do. Maybe Michael Middleton. Oh, he's mentioned, too, as being, like, attractive and, like, a loving husband. I don't think he got interviewed for it, though. That would have been interesting as well. You know who's really under the radar? James Middleton. I know. Does he still have that marshmallow company? I don't know. They mention in the piece that he's single. Right. And she, Carol says that she has some lovely son-in-laws, sons-in-law, and she hopes to one day have a lovely daughter-in-law. God, can you imagine? You marry into a family and your sisters-in-law are Kate and Pippa? Would love. Let's get into the voicemails. Like, this was a banner week for voicemails. We got such great voicemails. Um, We had to, like, weed through because we can't even play them all. They're, they're all great. Keep leaving us some more. We had some from listeners who were so enthusiastic that they didn't realize there was a three-minute limit on how long of a voicemail you could record. So let's get into the first one from... Uh, Lauren Huffington Post reporter who had a great sighting in D.C. that we're going to hear about. Hey, guys. Longtime fan here, Lauren Weber. Um, I'm a reporter in D.C. for the Huffington Post, and I'm pretty positive while walking into my office just now, which is located right by the White House, that I passed Princess Beatrice and her new boyfriend. I noticed her immediately because she had this beautiful exquisite blue trench coat and these gorgeous suede black boot heels. And then I realized it was her. And I just wanted to pass along the tip, but I think she's doing some DC sightseeing with the new book. So hope all is well. I will listen to next episode and excited to talk to y'all. Oh my gosh. This is the most glamorous sighting Beatrice has ever gotten. I love it. Thank you for calling in, Lauren. That's an amazing sighting. And I love the detail to the fashion. You love the specificity. We were just like in ecstasy listening to that. I know. Beatrice wore that coat to be noticed and noticed she was. Like she would be thrilled. I think we'll have to wait to another episode to get fully into this more. But there's so much going on. Some of you guys messaged us about this whole situation with Beatrice and the new boyfriend who left a fiance for Beatrice. I feel like there's like some scandal surrounding this relationship. But Beatrice is is going for it. 
Right. I love it. It seems like the ex was very bright, went to Harvard. Um, Josh and I are very much tracking this drama and we'll hopefully get to on a, a future episode. Amazing sighting. All right, let's hear from Madeline in Savannah, Georgia, who has some really good insight related to Megan's acting past that bears on current events. Hello, this is Madeline from Savannah, Georgia, and I just had some insight into Megan's personality and just to give maybe a clue as to how she acts in Suits. I watched it um, from the very first season and they had an extra episode where they interviewed the characters and one of the questions posed to everyone was who is most like their character on Suits? And everyone individually said Megan as in Megan acts the most similar to Rachel, her character. And so Rachel is ambitious, driven, no-nonsense, female power, but she's also very kind and generous. So that's just kind of a clue as to maybe how she acts Maybe ambitious and once very goal-oriented, but I don't see her kind of stepping on people's toes or having a huge ego. So that's just my thoughts. Thank you. I give this listener so much credit for not only watching Suits, but the extra promotional materials. Like, I feel like she's the only person on this planet. You <laughs> deserve the, so much extra credit. Features. It's so true. I love this, though. This is great kind of uncovering to do. And I feel like this is interesting that if her, all of her cast were so quick to, as someone who has not seen any uh, more than, I think, one or two episodes of Suits, I feel like that is interesting that people would... It seems like if that is her personality, that these stories, maybe it kind of like gives an interesting perspective on some of these stories. Right. I love this additional insight. Thank you so much for calling in. Hi, this is Helen from London. Hope you guys are well. So I was just listening to this week's episode talking about Harry and Meghan's big move and just a few thoughts. So I think it's a really great idea because Kensington Palace, there's so many people living there, like the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester, all these random aunts and uncles of Harry's, obviously, of course, the Cambridges. But I think it, it must be such a fishbowl. And Meghan just really wants to have her own space as a family. And Windsor even though there's not much going on in the town, is a really good shout. It's not that far out of London, and it's really the only closest royal residence. And even though this town itself is quiet, I reckon there's a big celebrity underground scene. So Elton John lives right in the middle of Windsor. He's lived there for years and years and years, and often seen around town. James Blunt, he's from Windsor. He lives there. But more importantly, it's like half an hour into the Cotswolds, where the Cleanies live, where Kate Moss lives. So it's a really trendy part to be in. So I think this is all about cementing the kind of Hollywood links. And, you know, that's got Megan written all over it, which I think is just fabulous. Um, but another angle to that that could be slightly awkward. So Eugenie and Jack have just moved into Kensington Palace after their wedding. And actually just right next door to where Harry and Meghan are at the moment. So I just wonder, that's kind of a bit random when you're putting out the, the bins. Oh, you just moved in. We're moving out. But even more weirdly, where they're moving to, Frogmore House, is part of the Windsor estate, which is where Fergie and Prince Andrew live in the Royal Lodge on the Windsor estate. 
and where Eugenie and Beatrice grew up. Of course, that's where they had their big wedding extravaganza. So I just, I just find that really strange that even though I do think it's a good move to go out there, I just can't wait to see what Fergie has to say about it. So we need to be keeping an eye on her Twitter. Um, so, yeah, so exciting to come in the new year. We'll see how the renovations pan out. I'm sure Megan has already got her mood board, her Pinterest and her scrapbook at the ready for that, um, to do all that work. Um, but, yeah, hope you guys are well. Love the podcast, as always. Thanks so much. Take care from London. Bye now. Thank you, Helen. You brought the insight, our UK correspondent, and thank you for giving me this perspective. Apparently, Windsor is a lot more fashionable and hip than I made it out to be. Um, We love the, like, London, UK take that Helen always provides. I know. Helen, please keep calling back. So much royals that I feel like we barely had time to even breathe and chat about anything else, but... I did want to note that um, I went to the Gotham Awards last week, which is sort of the kickoff to award season. I guess as time goes on over the next few months, we'll have some like, Julie and I will both be at different various events where we'll start tracking. I feel like this award season is weird. And I was realizing this at the Gotham Awards a little. And I wanted to know if you had the same feeling, Julie, because... I went to the Gotham Awards last year and it felt like with Get Out, Call Me By Your Name, Lady Bird, there was like a lot of star power and like buzz. And this year felt a little more muted. And I don't know if it's because like Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper weren't there because they obviously do have a lot of star power. But it felt like a, it felt like this is like a lower key group this year in terms of what's nominated. But the kind of like highlight I would say was that I got to talk to Elsie Fisher from eighth grade who... I don't know if how many of you guys have seen this movie, but it's great. And she's like 15 and so poised. And I went up to her after to like, and she had one breakthrough actor of the year. And um, she was like, I told her she's like more mature than like I am. And I'm like double her age. <laughs> um, and she was like telling me about her next project and like how fun she, she has at these awards. And like these ki- these teens and kids who act in Hollywood, it's like kind of like wild to me. Um, but she was talking about how much she loves Bo and I guess she's singing in her next project. So we were talking about it. Like she has a good singing voice. Oh, wow. I love hearing like at these award shows, who was talking to each other? Was there anyone surprised like couplings you saw? The most popular person there was Ethan Hawke. Really? Yeah. He won best actor, I guess. And like, I feel like he was the one who was getting kind of like people crowding around him after, I didn't see too much kind of like interesting crossover, like people going over. I would say Rachel Weiss was nominated, or sorry, she won like a tribute. And I feel like people were very excited about her and she brought up to stage with her Emma Stone, like little cardboard cutouts of Emma Stone and Olivia Coleman's like heads that she held up. Yeah, that was cute. And I think people were into that. Patricia Clarkson was amazing. She said she's a big fan of Vanity Fair. I chatted to her a little bit. And then she, we were talking about how like, intense Sharp Objects was. People are like scared to... I feel like people, it's like how that character was so intense that like people have such a wild reaction when they talk to her about it. Right. How did she seem in person? Was she like nice? Could we get a glass of wine with her? She oh, seems like 100%. she's a very cool energy. She was like <laughs> she was holding court at the after party, like glowing, like resplendent, standing with like three friends, like a glass of wine. Uh, like she just has a great time, you can tell. But it was a really fun night. Uh, Lint sponsored it, and it was at Cipriani, my fave spot. I know, as always. I have a few more events this week, and Julie does too. And 
Julie's coming to New York soon and hopefully we'll get to attend something fun together. Yes, I can't wait and to record an episode in the same place. I know. It's been it's been too long. Awesome. Well, I think that does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. And now you can reach out to us and leave us a voicemail. That number is 347-790-0966. Also, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight. You can follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm Jay Duboff. Uh, we're also on uh, Instagram at In the Limelight Pod. This episode was produced by Daniel Roth. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week. Until then, no, no bad. bad energy.